0: While drug makers and consumer groups lobby Congress and the Obama administration on the best way to bring cheaper versions of biotech drugs to market, a U.S. company is already doing so overseas. How does this work and what are the prospects for so-called biogenerics in the domestic market? You're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, the healthcare reporter with the Chicago Tribune, and joining me today is Dr. Suman Ramachandra. Dr. Ramachandra is Senior Vice President of Research and Development in Medical Affairs and the Chief Scientific Officer of Hospira Inc., a global maker of generic injectable drugs and medication delivery devices. Dr. Ramachandra has nearly two decades of healthcare experience. Before joining Hospira in July of 2008, he held various research and development roles at drug giants like Merck, Pharmacia, Pfizer, and Sharing Plow developing and winning FDA approval of many different life-saving and important treatments, particularly in the cancer area. He has a bachelor's degree in biochemistry from Rutgers University and a combined MD-PhD from the University of Medicine and Dentistry, New Jersey Medical School. He also later earned a Master's of Business Administration at Wharton Business School. Dr. Ramachandra joins us from Hospira's headquarters offices in the North Chicago suburb of Lake Forest, Illinois. Dr. Sumant Ramachandra, welcome to ReachMD on XM160, the channel for medical professionals.
1: Well, Bruce, thank you very much for having me on the ReachMD program. I'm very excited to be talking about this particular topic.
0: Well, if you could, just give us, our listeners, a little background. A lot of people don't realize that expensive biotech drugs may never have a biogeneric or biosimilar because of the way the laws of the land are right now.
1: Yes, Bruce, that is true for the U.S. Currently, there is no legislative pathway and therefore no regulatory pathway with the FDA of making generic versions of these biotech drugs. This is in contrast to the small molecule chemical entities, the things that you may take for granted when you take a pill, an oral pill, and those small molecule chemical entities have a generic pathway once exclusivity for that particular molecule expires. And in the case of biogenerics or biologic drugs, there are no pathways right now in the United States.
0: Yeah. So for in 1984, I believe the so-called Hatch-Waxman Act allowed for generic equivalents, if you will, of, you know, like Zoloft, Zocor for cholesterol, Prozac, etc. But the thing with the biotech drugs is that they were just coming on the scene then. And so our lawmakers didn't know or didn't really have laws set up to even contemplate a cheaper alternative, which is what Hospira is in the business of developing.
1: That's correct. So we have 25 years of experience in the United States based on Hatch-Waxman, and we look back on the experience and and we have learned a lot from that. The law was written at that point with small molecules in mind, the the Zoloft and the Zocor that you just mentioned, and it actually has created a tremendous amount of savings for the American people in getting access to affordable medicines that are both safe and efficacious. So that unfortunately that law at that time did not contemplate the need for a pathway for biologic drugs and therefore it is now being addressed in Congress and hopefully will come out with a fair and equitable pathway for generic companies such as ours to come in once appropriate exclusivity period has expired for the companies that originated the biologic drug.
0: Well, overseas in Europe, Haspira already sells cheaper versions of biotech drugs. And could you tell our listeners about this experience over there and and how the process works?
1: Absolutely, Bruce. we would be happy to do that. You know, as you know, Hospira is the world leader in generic injectable drugs and is really an emerging global leader in generic biologic drugs. We are the only American company that has launched a biologic drug, a biogeneric drug, as we call it in the U.S., or a biosimilar drug, as they call it in Europe, into that European market. So we are the only company in America that can actually speak to that experience. We have launched Reticrit, which is a similar version to EPO, or the, uh, the erythropoietin class of drugs. These are the drugs that increase red blood cells after someone gets a chemotherapy for cancer or a patient that undergoes renal dialysis for kidney failure. Their red blood cell count goes down, you give you give this EPO drug. The originator companies obviously have marketed this drug for several decades, and we offer a biosimilar version, a biogeneric version in Europe. So Retecrit launched in the early part of 2008, and in fact has secured more than 35% share of this biogeneric EPO market. And of course, the biogeneric EPO market has also made great headway in Europe over these last 18 months. It's frankly the number one biogeneric EPO in Europe, Middle East, and Africa, the territory that we call EMEA, and has done quite well based on our expectations.
0: If you're just joining us, or even if you're new to our channel, you're listening to Reach MD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, the healthcare reporter with the Chicago Tribune, and joining me today is Dr. Sumant Ramachandra. He is the chief scientific officer of Haspira, which is a global maker of generic injectable drugs and medication delivery devices, and they're one of the leaders in this country in trying to bring cheaper alternatives to biotech drugs. There is no way a biotech drug as it stands now in the US can get a generic version because these drugs were so new on the scene when the existing generic law took effect. So we're talking about in Europe uh, that they do have generic biotech drugs. And could you tell us a little bit about, do they have to go through any special testing in Europe to get approval that that you might not with a chemically-derived pill, for example?
1: Uh, Absolutely. In in Europe, they do have to go through what is called an abbreviated pathway, but the pathway is not as uh, short as a a small-molecule non-biotech drug that we had spoken about previously. Here, you will have to show a level of testing in animals and then show a level of testing in the clinical studies, so in patients, before you get it launched into the marketplace. So you have established the safety and efficacy, the effectiveness and the safety of the drug prior to having the authorization to market it in Europe. The European agencies have defined a pathway based on drug classes. So they have a pathway based for EPOs. They have a pathway based for other growth factors that are given in Europe, as well as having pathways for a multitude of proteins, and they're now contemplating pathways for what are called antibodies, monoclonal antibodies for Europe. These pathways ensure that the medicine is tested in an appropriate manner before it gets commercialized or launched within the European marketplace. And we believe that this type of learning from Europe can tie back very easily to what we do in the United States and to ensure that the right pathway is put into place here that allows for the appropriate amount of testing, but not to overtest or undertest.
0: And how long have biosimilars drugs been on the market in Europe? I mean, how far are they ahead of the United States in this regard?
1: They're close to a decade ahead of the United States from the very beginning to where we are now. Now, I believe there are up to five molecules available through this biosimilar pathway in Europe. And every year that goes by, they're contemplating more. But the key thing is Europe has learned from this experience they have taken the experience that they have gotten over this last decade and actually changed their guidance documents to reflect the state of the science and art of where we are today. So we in the U.S. have an opportunity to learn from that European experience and actually jump ahead and really formulate a regulatory pathway that allows the FDA to have the powers to determine what is appropriate level of testing in in patients to get the drug approved in the U.S.
0: And as it stands now, let's just say Reticrit, your version of EPO, this is working in patients? Um, is there post-market studies? I mean, does it have any sort of difference at all in how it works in the patient or safety or efficacy, anything like that?
1: No difference. Actually, that's why it's called a biosimilar or a biogeneric. The reality is when we launched Reticrit in Europe, we had nearly the same amount of data as the innovator company that launched a drug 20 years prior to us. So despite the fact that there was so much experience with the original drug, we actually had to generate so much data to get approval in Europe. Now, the European health authorities have recognized that and said, you know, you do not have to keep generating this much data to get approval in known drug categories. So we did, for example, two phase three studies that were done with a variety of designs that showed that there were really no differences between our reticrit and the original version from the proprietary company. So we have established safety and effectiveness for patients through our trials. But very importantly, upon establishing it, we had the opportunity to make sure that the drug was affordable and therefore more patients had access to these biotech drugs.
0: And in the United States, the legislation sort of hinges right now on the brand name companies want a certain amount of market exclusivity and the generic makers want something different. Tell me a little bit about some of the differences at issue. I mean, one way or another, it appears as though we might be close to consumers getting less expensive versions of these drugs.
1: That's right. We certainly hope that we are on that path. Representative Henry Waxman introduced a bill, a biogenerics bill, to the U.S. House of Representatives, and we support that bill. That bill is based on the 25 years of experience of the 1984 Hatch-Waxman Act. And frankly, that is the only real-life experiment that we have and data that we have of what pathway works. It also Gives, so the exclusivity period that is being granted by the Waxman bill that's in the House of Representatives in Congress is gives five years, which is based on the same amount of exclusivity that the original Hatch-Waxman legislation gave. So we support that, and we believe that is sufficient. There are rival bills that actually give more exclusivity. If anything, that is not only anti-competitive, it actually can stifle innovation, because without competition being in the marketplace, the other companies will not look to create new drugs to replace things in their pipeline because they've had a very long period of exclusivity. So we believe that the Waxman bill that's in Congress right now is the one that we should support, and that the one that the industry should support.
0: Now I know that sometimes we don't get an idea of, of the pricing, but what kind of discounts could U.S. consumers or their employers, giving their picking up the tab, could they expect between a biotech drug? and a biosimilar, considering, let's face it, a lot of these biotech drugs out on the market, you talk about Humira, Enbrel for rheumatoid arthritis, they might be costing patients who have no insurance you know, $18,000, $20,000 a year. What kind of discounts are we talking from your experience in Europe?
1: So in Europe, we are discounting it from 20 to 30% off the original price of the innovator. And we, based on the data that we have generated and the discount that has been given, these biogeneric drugs have gotten traction in Europe. And we believe that that is where the U.S. will also end up in.
0: And also, and not that I'm looking to cause competition for Hospira, but generally, so let's just say there is a law that passes. And usually in the traditional generic market, some generic maker gets a period of exclusivity and so forth, but then you have a flood of companies coming into the fray and the price drops for the consumer even more. Do you envision perhaps more companies getting into this and creating some grander competition should Congress pass a bill and the president sign this into law this year?
1: Yeah, we do believe that competition will only increase once a legislative pathway has been defined. And we actually welcome that competition. Frankly, that is the reason why we exist, because we're in a competitive marketplace at this point. We do believe that, inherently, these drugs will have some scientific and technical hurdles to go through. So not every company may be suited to enter into this particular type of drug development and commercialization. But the companies that are able to and can get through the whole process will likely enter into this once a legislative and regulatory pathway Exists. The key thing around the legislation, though, Bruce, is that Congress must write its legislation to allow scientific and clinical adjudication to lie with the FDA and not embedded within a law, because once it's embedded in legislation, it's very difficult to change. The FDA's powers should lie in determining what is the best scientific and clinical pathway to get a drug approved. And that should not be a a legislative pathway. That should be a regulatory pathway for getting a particular drug approved. And that means that the FDA will then have the powers to change the regulation over time once the U.S. market gets more comfortable with more and more biosimilar drugs being in the marketplace.
0: Well, with that, I'd like to thank Dr. Sumant Ramachandra. He's the chief scientific officer of Haspira which is a Lake Forest, Illinois-based company that is trying to work with Congress to pass a law to allow cheaper versions of biotech drugs, some of the most expensive drugs in the country, cancer, rheumatoid arthritis, and the like. I'm Bruce Japson of the Chicago Tribune. I've been your host. And you've been listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD online, on demand, and on the air. Please visit us at ReachMD.com, and I'd like to thank you today for listening.